What's up, Canada? And welcome back for another episode of Watch Your Lips, the PBR Canada podcast. As always, I'm your host here, Cam Black Arugio, and I got episode 10 coming at you. The big 1-0, the big double digits coming at you. We got Logan Hoffman on the podcast today, fellow Canadian, fellow Saskatchewan native, drafted by the Pittsburgh Pirates this year. So um, he's got uh, he's got a Canadian agent. Um, he's from right here in Ontario, uh, Raza, out of True Gravity Baseball. Um, so no, super excited to get him on the podcast. Just drafted this year. So uh, right now we got two of uh, two of the three Canadians drafted this year on the podcast already. So might have to get. Uh, might have to get that third one, a little David uh, David Calabrese on here. Um, but anyways, uh, episode 10 here, coming at you. I got my Starbucks in hand here. Vanilla cream cold brew. Man, I discovered Starbucks probably two months ago. I can't get off this stuff. Probably there three times a week. Anyways, got my coffee in hand. little NFL football action coming later today, so it's Great day, man. Beautiful weather out there in Ontario. Beautiful weather all week. So, no, I'm uh, buzzing right now. Just buzzing. So, um, we got a little, uh, little, little bit of updates this week, actually, from the uh, from the baseball world. So, we'll dive into that. We had uh, on the Canadian front of things, which was awesome to see, uh, Tyler O'Neill from the St. Louis Cardinals, Gold Glove in the outfield, Burnaby, BC native. So always, always cool to see a Canadian come home uh, with one with one of the big premier awards uh, in Major League Baseball, like when Joey Votto won uh, won that MVP, or when Paxton gets that no hitter. Obviously, that was special being in Canada. But um, anytime you can see a Canadian, um, you know, at, at the top of his position or, or you know at the top of the league, it's always uh, always great to see. So uh, shout outs to uh, to Tyler O'Neill. Burnaby, BC native, uh, and if I'm correct, I'm almost positive he uh, played for Langley. Langley plays as well, so uh, big ups to him. And a um, little bit of news on uh, on the Blue Jays front as well. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez uh, took home a silver slugger for the outfield, so an incredible year from him. Uh, you know, he's took took a big jump for that Blue Jays team, and and was really big for them down the stretch. Um, and even more Blue Jays news. Uh, rumors have it that. Uh, Mark Shapiro and that Blue Jays team are going to be uh, active, very active this offseason, and now uh, they were right at it uh, yesterday. If I'm correct, I think it was the, maybe the first deal made. So Robbie Ray back to Toronto, one year, $8 million. So it seems to be hopefully a minor move uh, compared to uh, some other things they got in their back pocket here, but uh, we'll have to wait and see on that front. And one more, uh, kind of a, it's a Canadian connection, but uh, as I was saying before with Logan Hoffman on the podcast, um, his agent, Blake Kuroski and uh, Razo Malik, they, um, they had uh, one of their, one of their clients, Evan White, uh, took home, uh, took home a gold glove. So no, no Canadian there, but a little Canadian connection, little Canadian connection as well. So, um, and uh, on that, on that front, um, I'm going to stop talking here and we'll uh, take it over to Logan and uh, let him do a little bit of the talking. So uh, without further ado, Logan Hoffman. Joining me next here on the Watch Your Lips podcast, we got uh, former Colby Community College pitcher, former Northwestern State pitcher. He was uh, the Pirates' fifth round draft pick in this year's MLB draft out of uh, Munster, Saskatchewan. Welcome to the podcast. Logan Hoffman. Hey, how are you doing today? Not too bad. Not too bad, man. So you're 
you're on a long drive right now, it seems. Um, so where are you going right now? Where are you kind of coming from? Is it baseball related or what's going on? Uh, yeah, I was just uh, down in Bradenton, Florida at the Fall Instructional League for the Pittsburgh Pirates for the past month. And uh, now I'm headed back to Northwestern State until uh, Christmas, just kind of hang out, do some classes, and, and train there uh, until the break. Okay, okay, fair enough. And uh, so that kind of would have been, I assume, your kind of your first lick of, uh, of pro baseball over the past month. So, you know, how, how was that for you? What, what was going on there? What was the experience like and, and performance-wise? You know, how'd you do? I, I mean, it was cool. Obviously, uh, we got to do something, I guess, before the end of the year, which was nice because uh, a couple months ago, it wasn't looking like uh, we were going to be able to get on a baseball field anytime soon. So it was obviously really nice to get that. Was awesome. Uh, haven't had that in a while, so uh, it, it was just nice all around to be able to work out at, at the really good facility down there. Uh, great weather. I mean, and baseball every day. So it, it was a really great experience overall. Um, and so for you, I'm just kind of gonna kind of go back to uh, just kind of kind of growing up uh, playing baseball and that stuff. But kind of you know before we get into that, I know. Um, just kind of from from researching, uh, you know, just, just stuff about you. I know you played played hockey growing up. I think uh, one of your uncles or relatives played in the NHL. Your t- typical, you know, can- Canadian family growing up under hockey. So, um, you know, how good were you growing up? What level do you play? And just kind of what, what was your experience like with hockey? Uh, yeah, I played hockey for 12 or 13 years growing up. I, I quit my grade 12 year. Uh, just, I mean, kind of just focus on baseball in the offseason, but... I played for a while, and honestly, I thought I was better at hockey pretty much my whole life until about grade 10-ish is when baseball kind of took over, and uh, that's where my interest really focused on, uh, focus went, I guess. So um, I, I wanted to play hockey all my life growing up, and then uh, obviously I really enjoyed baseball, but it wasn't, I guess, the main sport for me growing up, but um, really... It, it took over, uh, yeah, like I said, around my grade 10 year, and that's uh, what I wanted to do going forward. That's kind of funny, just from all kind of like the, the Canadian draft picks I've interviewed over the past couple of years here, just so many of them say the same thing. They just, they grew up kind of b- better at hockey and then kind of just developed a lot more baseball-wise in high school, so. Yeah, for sure. That's definitely how it worked. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so obviously you're from small town uh, Saskatchewan, small town Canada, so I know, obviously, um, in Canada, just the, the recruiting process is a lot different. You know, you don't have um, NCAA and JUCO schools just kind of in your backyard to watch you. Um, so what was that process, the recruiting process? What was that like for you? You know, where were you kind of drawing interest from out of high school? And, and do you think you kind of got a lack of looks sometimes just just because, you know, where you were playing? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm from a town of 450 people, so... Obviously, there's not going to be a lot of colleges coming there to watch games and that kind of thing. So uh, really where I guess I got looked at from colleges was when I was with Team Saskatchewan um, in the fall of my grade 12 year tournament in Okotoks. Actually, that's where uh, Colby Community College, they saw me there. And um, I talked to, I I think I had two or three offers out of high school. So uh, one Division II school and then two junior colleges uh colby and another one in iowa but uh so i didn't really have too many options obviously because i didn't play a lot in the states in front of colleges it was kind of just training down here when the weather was nice so 
Uh, I'm really glad that Colby comes up there uh, every fall pretty much to watch that tournament and uh, glad they got to see me there. Okay, and it's it's just kind of funny hearing, you know, you, you were kind of limited with your offers because I know you went to Colby and just you shoved for two years, man. You, you were, you know, a strikeout pitcher. I think you uh, broke the conference record in strikeouts. So just, you know, do you think you kind of always had that in you and it was just kind of kind of getting to that big stage where you could kind of show it off? Or do you think you just kind of de- developed and, and kind of brought out your best that uh, at Colby? Uh, I would say a little bit of both, actually. I mean, I was a strikeout pitcher, it, uh, I guess, grade 11 and 12 for the most part. And then uh, I knew once I got to that next level, obviously the hitters are going to be better. So I didn't know how my stuff was going to play there. But uh, the other thing you said, like getting better there, I definitely developed there a lot. Lot. Um, got a lot stronger, um, got a lot more knowledgeable about the game too and how to pitch guys rather than just trying to blow fastballs by guys or uh, throwing curveballs only on 0-2 counts. So, I mean, uh, really the, the mental game there too kind of took off for me and I really learned a lot more about pitching as, as well as developed physically. And kind of for you just you know, from talking there just about, you know, developing at the JUCO level, a lot of kids growing up here, a lot of times you hear, you know, they just want to go D1, they want to go to the big school, but it seems you really benefited from from going the JUCO route, you know, getting those innings in, getting more reps. Um, Can you just talk a little bit about, you know, just how much you think JUCO ball can benefit, you know, a lot of kids, especially if, you know, they haven't had a ton of looks, it's just kind of a a spot to showcase yourself. You just want to touch on that a little bit? Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously in the fall at junior college, you get there and, and you start team practices right away and you get to play some some inter-squad games, uh, games against other teams. So you really get to show uh, what you got in the fall and you can develop a lot. So, I mean, uh, obviously going to Division One schools, every kid's uh, goal, I guess. But uh, I think junior college is a great stepping stone to get to the Division One level, especially – uh, coming out of high school in Canada, it's tough for uh, freshmen to play at the Division One level unless you're obviously a stud. Yeah. But uh, for me, honestly, I could say if I didn't go to Colby, there's no way I would be where I am today. Like I know that I know that for a fact. So um, I'm glad I got the opportunity to go there, and it was it was an awesome place to develop. That's for sure. And, and obviously, um, you know that kind of. That kind of worked out for you. You were drafted um, after that second year there. You were drafted late in, in that draft. So was that something you were considering after those two years was, was going pro or you were kind of set the whole time on, on going uh, back to uh, back to a Division One school there? Uh, it was a tough decision. Um, obviously, you got drafted pretty late. But I felt like one more year of pitching to uh, call, like Division One hitters could definitely up my stock um, going into this year's draft. And I really want to just develop, I guess, another year um, in college and, and that kind of thing. Because I, I felt like I was, I guess, ready after uh, the 2019 draft. But I I really want to just up my game that much more and, and see what I could do at the Division One level. So um, that's kind of my thought process there. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And you said um, you, you kind of wanted to get more reps against... Um, division one hitters so after that uh that 2019 draft um you would have played in um played in the cape cod league so that's kind of you know your most 
some of the most elite, you know, players and draft talent across the country. So how much do you think that helped you? Obviously just playing against those guys, but also just playing against those guys in front of all those scouts. How much do you think that benefited you in the long run? I think it benefited me a ton. I mean, uh, I didn't know I was going there until I think it was mid-May. So it was late. Interesting. Uh, it was a late addition, I guess, because usually they have the roster set like months before. So, I mean, I was supposed to just go there, I guess, for a couple of weeks and get a couple more innings in, that kind of thing. And my first three outings, I did really good and they kept me around and uh, honestly, I didn't even know if I was going to get sent home or not until uh, I got the call and I made the all-star team. And then I was like, well, I, I think they should keep me around now. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, but the Cape Cod League, obviously, it's the best college summer league in the country. Um, you go there, you get to pitch in front of scouts every single game. It's in one of the nicest parts of the States. And by, uh, so, I mean, that was a great experience overall. And I think it definitely helped a lot this year uh, going into the draft as well. And so, you know, after that, you head off to Northwestern, Northwestern State. And obviously, um, you, I mean, yeah, you had an amazing year again. So you were um, in 28 innings this year and four starts. You're 4-0, 0 ERA, 38 strikeouts to five walks. Like just again, you know, you, you shoved again, you know, for, for another year. So you had an impressive, th- you know, three years of college, dominant on the bump. And, you know, you were good at the Cape Cod League as well. Is that something you just kind of carried over into, carried the momentum into this final year? Or is there another thing you kind of picked up that, that really elevated your game this year again? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you gather things over time and you can constantly be adding things to your game. And uh, another big thing, last fall at NSU, that really focused on, um, aside from, I guess, the physical aspect of pitching, was uh, just being comfortable throwing all my pitches in any count. Uh at times at Colby, I could, I guess, get away with throwing uh, fastballs when I'm behind, that kind of thing. But I knew going into Division One, you had to be able to um, attack guys with all four pitches. So, I mean, I think that was a big stepping stone for me, and uh, it really ele- elevated my game to the next level. And just for you, um, especially this year, you know, on the mound, how did, like you were pretty much untouchable. Like I can just imagine being a pitcher on the mound. I didn't pitch too much growing up. Obviously, I'm like five foot six. But um, <laughs> like, how did you just felt untouchable on the mound or what? Uh, I mean, it was it was interesting actually. In the fall uh, of last fall and the scrimmages before our season, I didn't give up a run. I think I gave up like two hits. So I was. I was hoping going into my first start that that wasn't going to be where my success was. And uh, all of a sudden, my first start, I give up like five runs or something. So I was uh, honestly a little bit nervous going into it because I was hoping, I guess, it wouldn't be the other way around. Yeah. So I'm glad I got to uh, continue that, continue that streak, I guess. And then, uh, I mean, once I'm out there after my first start, obviously didn't give up a run and that's all I thought of every time, every single inning for the rest of the year. I mean, go out there and I guess all I was thinking is try not to give up a run. I guess good things will happen. So um, obviously it's in my head the whole time uh, when I'm out there. But if if you do get into a little bit of trouble, um, just got to trust your stuff and go at guys and uh, know that you got a defense behind that you behind me that'll help me out. 
And so obviously it was uh, it was a shortened season. That's kind of why you only threw the the twenty eight innings there. So um, just kind of take me through the process of of when you found out um, the season was going to be shut down because of COVID, and then just kind of you know the process from when you found out to to when you left campus and just kind of w- what state you were in because obviously you know it was a big draft coming up for you and not too long. So just you know explain just that whole scenario there back uh, back in March. Uh, yeah, it was tough. I mean, obviously we only got to play. Uh, 16 games, um, four weekend series, and it was after one of the weekend series. I think it was like a Tuesday or Wednesday when you're kind of looking on Twitter and you're seeing some stuff going on, some stuff getting canceled, and then it was actually on uh, Thursday before we were supposed to head to New Orleans for a weekend series um, is when we found out that the season's canceled and nobody really knew what was going on, obviously. So... uh, we kind of just hung out for a couple days because we didn't know if we were going to be able to practice or not. And then eventually they, they sent us home and uh, I stuck around back in uh, Natchitoches for about a week. Cause I, I really wanted to make sure uh, it was canceled and all of a sudden we weren't like going to be allowed to practice or something. And I had to drive 30 hours back down there. So. Yeah. And you almost don't believe it at first either. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it was tough. And then eventually after I, was there for about a week and a half after the season i i drove back home to munster so it was, it was a long 30 hour drive by yeah. myself. so that's kind of how it uh, worked out and then uh, going obviously going into the draft i mean i knew i did pretty much all i could to uh, boost my stock for this year's draft and i thought i had a pretty good chance and all of a sudden i hear it's cut to five rounds and that's really when the nerves uh, kicked in big time because I mean five rounds isn't a lot uh, a lot of picks so. exactly baseball draft um, but for that uh, it was supposed to be 10 and I heard it was going to be 10 and then it got cut to five and uh, I felt pretty good about a 10 round draft and then a five round draft I, I got a little nervous so, I mean it was it was tough for I guess the t- time period before uh, heading into it but I mean there's nothing else I could possibly do uh, to boost my stock other than talk on the phone to scouts. So, I mean, it was, it was a nervous time, but also pretty exciting. And uh, so leading up to the draft, um, you know, obviously you said, you know, you mostly, you know, all you could do was uh, just kind of, you know, plead your case to, to scouts and, and try and just do well um, through through some interview processes. But, you know, physically, was there anything you were doing, um, you know, leading up to the draft, uh, you know, just, just baseball-wise where you could try and, you know, improve your stock or it was just mostly mostly over the phone or, or any um, just kind of digital stuff? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously – uh, they kind of saw me throw my four starts in the spring and then back home in Munster. I mean, I threw some bullpens, I guess. Um, we couldn't really get outside until May because it was too cold. Yep. So <laughs> Canadian problems. Yeah. So threw a couple bullpens, but I mean, there was nothing really I could send to them that would, uh, I guess be better than my going back and watching my starts from this spring. So, um, for me, it was just really work out. And talk on the phone to them. I mean, there's not not much else I could do. I couldn't travel anywhere to throw a, a pre for a pre-draft workout. I couldn't really go anywhere to throw bullpens for them. So uh, I was kind of out of my hands at that point. Yeah, fair enough. And I think that was the hardest part for a lot of uh, a lot of draft picks. It was there was nothing you could do for kind of like that three month period there, right? It was just kind of sit sit and wait almost. 
Yeah, it was it was tough. I mean, not not much you can do. Couldn't even go outside and throw that much because there's still snow on the ground. So. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, it was a rough little time there. So what uh, what was draft day like for you? Again, like you said, we couldn't really couldn't really go out, um, you know, and have any big, you know, watch parties or anything like that. So um, draft day, you know, what was that like for you from kind of the moment you woke up and then, you know, when, when you got drafted, who was around you? Where were you? Just what was that day like? Uh, very nervous uh, all day. That's for sure. Uh, I woke up. I mean, I think I, I went to the field and threw with one of my buddies or my dad and then came home and around right before lunch and that's when uh, I guess I got a couple phone calls that's when I started talking on the phone a little bit that's when really when the nerves uh, hit me and I don't think I ate anything until uh, after I got the call and I got drafted but it was just uh, my parents and my sister and myself just hanging out in the living room we were watching it on the TV uh, because they broadcast it and then I guess I found out uh, I got the call actually after well, I got I got a call that they were going to take me uh, with the with their fifth round pick, but I didn't really believe it until I actually saw my name on the TV and heard it. So I was I was a pretty nervous about five to ten minutes there as well, <laughs> just kind of waiting for waiting for that to happen. Um, but once it happened, it was just a very exciting time for, for uh, myself and my family. For sure, and um, so just the following you know following days, following couple weeks after that. Um, did you head out to Pittsburgh after you signed, or just what was that process like, uh, just kind of putting all that together? Uh, no, I actually didn't. Um, every every funny story, I was uh, looking on Instagram, and like everybody's, I guess, signing at PNC Park, and then yeah, uh, they kind of called me, and they are like, well, I mean, with the travel stuff, and then you'd have to go back and quarantine. Uh, like, it, I don't know if it works. So, I mean, I signed my contract on my back deck in my hometown. <laughs> Uh, it was funny looking at all the pictures uh, when they had our draft class uh, signing pictures. I guess they were all at PNC in a nice boardroom, and then the last picture of me, I was on my back deck. So it was, it was pretty funny, but I mean, I can't, I, I can't complain. That's where I grew up playing baseball all my life. So I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a great place, and uh, I, I'm happy with, with where I did it. And and my first reaction a lot of times to hearing something like that or. Just yeah, just just with the with the way the whole draft played out, I'm almost, sometimes I'm almost like, oh man, like it's kind of shitty. You know, you get your one draft, and this is kind of how how it all plays out. But then again, at the same time, right? Like you're you're just living out your your dream at the same time. So there, I'm sure there's no complaints there. Yeah, no, I mean, there's there's nothing I can complain about. I mean, get to play baseball for a living, so I mean, it's always been a dream of mine, and I'm looking forward to it. And so what's, what's the whole process been like uh, since then? So since you signed, obviously, I know you were, uh, you said you were in Bradenton, um, you know, getting some work in against uh, some other prospects and, and with the Pirates. So just kind of what's it been like since you signed with, with the Pirates? Uh, yeah, I mean, I stayed around in Munster until uh, mid-August. I was just kind of, I was actually helping my dad coach the midget AAA team all summer. So that was a lot of fun doing that. Uh, just I just like being around baseball. So, I mean, I'd go to the field every night and there'd be the team practicing. So I'd just go out there and hang out, that kind of thing. And uh, so that was a lot of fun. And then I would throw live to uh, a couple guys on the midget team um, on the weekend. So that was kind of my my summer, just hanging out, playing baseball, 
uh, coaching. And then uh, I went back down to Northwestern State in August, uh, taking some classes and was just going to train there uh, um, until Christmas. But then obviously the fall instructional league popped up and I was just down in Bradenton for the past month. And now I'm going back to Louisiana and continue to train there for a little bit before I go home for uh, Christmas break. And actually, it's funny, um, and it seems like it kind of worked out well for you this way, but I know a lot of other pro players I've talked to or scouts or just kind of anyone, like, you know, one of the positives that's kind of, obviously, you know, no positives are really coming out of this whole COVID situation, but, you know, it's given people a lot more time to to spend with their family or spend in their hometown. I know, obviously, last summer uh, you were down playing in the Cape, so I'm. Uh, it seems like, you know, you got a lot of time, uh, a lot of nice time back at home, kind of, whether it was with family or just spending time in your hometown before kind of, you know, taking off with your pro career. So that was, that was, a, that was a good summer. It seems like. Yeah, definitely. I mean, last summer, I think I was home for like 10 days total, uh, in the year of 2019, other than the Christmas break. So, uh, I was gone a lot. So it was definitely nice, uh, to be home for the past couple months, uh, in Munster. For sure. And so just last question here. We like to kind of have uh, have some fun with this. So I ask everyone, uh, it's the last question on the podcast always. So um, just over your years, you know, whether it was someone uh, someone you watched in one of your games or playing in the Cape or something, or whether, you know, you're at a, at a pro game, um, you know, what, what's the most majestic or, or most memorable batting practice uh, you've kind of watched in your lifetime? Uh, it would have to be from um, when my dad, my uncle, my grandpa, and myself, we went uh, on a trip to New York to watch Derek Jeter in his final season, and they were playing the, the Red Sox. So uh, David Ortiz hitting BP at Yankee Stadium was probably the most impressive thing I've seen. Damn. And just for, for me growing up, uh, growing up being a Blue Jays fan, um, I can imagine just some of the BP you would have seen on that day between uh, those Yankees and Red Sox teams. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, uh, obviously the Yankees didn't have Judge or Stanton at the time, but... Uh, they still had some guys who could hit, so it, it was cool to uh, watch a batting practice and then, uh, I guess, watch those games there, too. I mean, Derek Jeter is my favorite player growing up, so it's a pretty memorable moment to be able to see him in his final season. So, so it's interesting, actually. Uh, last question here. It's it's interesting uh, hearing that, that Jeter was your favorite player, obviously, uh, being a pitcher. So um, who was kind of a pitcher you kind of looked at growing up that kind of, you know, made you want to, uh, you know, carry on with pitching? Who was someone you kind of either modeled your game after or just, you know, your favorite pitcher to watch? Uh, honestly, I didn't really have a favorite pitcher growing up. I, I pitched, uh, I caught, and I played shortstop my whole life. So um, it wasn't really until grade 11 or 12 is when I thought I was better at pitching than catching. I thought I was a better catcher uh, most of my life as well. But, uh, I mean, someone since... I've gotten to college uh, the past couple of years. I've watched a lot of video on, doesn't play in the MLB anymore, is Roy Oswald. Okay. Uh, just because, I guess, the way he pitches, um, his stuff, and I guess his size, it's it's all kind of similar to myself. So I, I like watching a lot of video on him. Okay, nice, nice. So, no, man, that's, uh, that's all I've got for you there. Um, I really appreciate you coming on here, and uh, best of luck going forward, and safe travels on the rest of your drive here, man. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate you having me. Well, that does it here for episode 10. Big thank you to uh, Logan Hoffman for jumping on the podcast here. Uh, Probably a good thing for him. Kind of makes the time go by a little faster on uh, that long drive for him. So big thanks to uh, Logan. And uh, that does it. 
episode 10. Thanks for tuning in and watch your lips.